Blog Talk Radio. Hello. Welcome to Gigabit Nation, Broadband Talk Radio. I'm your host, Craig Fettles, and I want to thank everyone in the audience today for taking time to be with us. Our mission, as always, is to provide information to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get faster, better broadband everywhere it needs to be in America. The uh, past couple of weeks, uh, for you who have been following loyally, I've been uh, hitting the topic of wireless gigabit broadband pretty pretty heavily. Um, and it's, it's always seemed to me that uh, policymakers and the media and even many in the industry haven't done enough to shine uh, a light on the potential role of fixed wireless. And we've been enamored with with cellular wireless and LTE and 4G and all that kind of stuff, but we seem to have ignored what I what I've always known to be a vital part of the wireless picture. But even more so now that we are coming up with, uh, you know, uh, companies that are delivering a gigabit or 10 gigabit networks in in various communities. So I think it's past time that we start paying attention to uh, putting this technology to work. Now, one service provider that is making uh, gigabit wireless broadband work as an economic development tool is NetX Internet, or NetX. Uh, today's show will not only address uh, the importance of gigabit wireless, but look at, you know, through the eyes of, of, of NetX, if you will, uh, at practical ways it can be put to work in urban communities. Our guest uh, today is Ron Deus, who is the uh, president and CEO of NetX, uh, which is a uh, wireless ISP whose coverage area includes Cleveland, Ohio, and surrounding areas. Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. And let's dive right in. I'm going to ask the you know question maybe should have been asked by a lot of folks months months ago. Is is fixed wireless getting the respect it deserves? Do you think? I know you're biased, but still. <laughs> sure. No, I, I I don't think it has, uh, though awareness is starting to, to grow um, as, as we move forward here. And I think part of the reason is, is that most of Internet access today is provided by the carriers, and they use a particular technology, technology uh, such as copper, and, and we hear a lot about fiber, uh, and, you know, just recently with 4G, we're starting to hear about wireless playing a role uh, more in with, with mobile, uh, so it's not exactly fixed wireless, but as we speak to uh, people, they're, they're starting to understand that wireless is an option, uh, and we're getting to talk about fixed wireless and how that uh, would work for them. Mm-hmm. So now how is it being received I think um, it's, it's being received well. Uh, for the people that uh, subscribe to the service, um, they they get it. They 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 see how reliable it is and the type of speeds they're able to access uh, and, and use with it. So it's it's been a, it's been a very good uh, reception, and it's been in most cases uh, something that they just didn't know about prior to actually using the service. So it was a uh it was kind of a surprise to them that that this existed or uh they knew about it but really hadn't thought about using it themselves. It it's a lot of times it's a surprise and um 
and usually they're, you know, we, we've been the provider of last resorts in, in some cases where um, either there isn't any, there isn't sufficient access uh, for them in terms of getting it from the um, incumbent providers um, or there's some sort of uh, deadline that's in place and getting your traditional broadband options are, is just not going to be feasible or cost effective. Mm -hmm. So what would be the typical scenario that you have found uh, is, is common? Um, do, you, do you cold call? Is there some sort of broader education that happens and people become aware of your company? Well, you know, I think um, a lot of times we, we do our normal uh, marketing efforts where we try to educate um, in, in our advertisements and we, we, we get out into the, uh, the market and, and, and let people know that there are other alternative options for, for getting access uh, but then in a lot of times they, they are, they're finding us because uh, they're just not able to get access in the traditional uh, ways or through the traditional carriers that they typically would know to go to. Um, you know, in, in this um, age, you know, people look to the cable company or the tel telephone company and they kind of know who those are because they really aren't too many to pick from. Uh, you know, you you have your AT&T, Verizon on the telco side, and then you have your uh, cable companies, Comcast and Time Warner, you know, being the big um, the big players out there and the, the, the duopoly in terms of um, what's out there and the choices that people typically have available. So is it that people are finding that those choices are not affordable, they're not fast enough, and I know you do a lot of work with uh, businesses, but I bring this up because I think there is an assumption that the urban areas are well taken care of, which is why all the focus tends to be going toward rural, but what you're describing seems to point to uh, people aren't being served in these urban areas that, that everyone expects that they are being served in. Yes, that's that's true. It's exactly um, what's happening. And you know, when you're in these urban areas, it's it's what happens or what's happening is is that these um these these major carriers, which in effect cause a duopoly or has been made into a duopoly, you know, where you have either one dominant telco or one dominant cable operator, uh, they have kind of divvied up. The, the market and they kind of go after the most um, you know the most easiest targets within uh, the area and kind of either ignore certain parts where they feel that either it's going to cost too much to build out infrastructure to properly serve uh, the, that market or they don't have to meet the needs of the businesses in terms of providing reliable service or in terms of providing the type of speed those businesses need uh, to, 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 to get access. So it is a combination of um, either a lack of coverage or a lack of willingness to, to, to go out and offer those services or deliver those services to the businesses? 
Yeah, I, I think that's a major part of it. And then there's also another thing, whereas some of these companies have built out infrastructure or making use of infrastructure that was built, you know, quite some time ago, whether it's, you know, 10 years old, 20 years old, uh, the cable that's already in the ground. And um, some of those facilities are aging or just aren't uh, providing the type of um, speeds that, you know, businesses today need. And that's a capital investment form, and they have to weigh how 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 do we go in there and you know upgrade these these facilities and this infrastructure to to provide that, and they want to make the most out of what's already there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know the passing along the cost for that upgrade you know falls in the hands of these these companies who who just need better access. Wow. So there is sort of a subtext or a substory happening in urban areas where you really can't judge the coverage by the fact that there's a, a AT&T store, you know, every every few blocks or, or a Verizon store every couple, you know, every couple of miles. That the, sure. the urban areas indeed are experiencing pockets of um, lack of uh, lack of coverage. Absolutely. If if you look at um, you know some examples that were out there, um, you, know, you, you can look at San Francisco as, as one of the places where you know you would imagine that there would be you know uh, a plethora of, of bandwidth options and speeds, and yet you know you hear a lot of complaints where there isn't enough coverage, there isn't enough access, the speeds are slow or horrible. I know this personally because I used to live in New York City. Um, there are parts in New York City, downtown uh, New York City, that have terrible um, broadband access. Uh, there are some places that can't even get access either because of right-of-way problems or um, the owners of buildings or land won't allow um, carriers to get in there, or there is uh, some sort of uh, physical problem with the infrastructure that that's there in in, in the area, and you, you wouldn't think that uh, you know a dense urban environment would would have those issues, but you know whole swaths of um, New York City still suffer. Wow, that's pretty that's pretty uh, that's pretty depressing actually. So sure. let's let's talk about you know addressing the issue um your company started you said uh, off before we got started online or on on air uh started in 2003 or 2004 right yes so now how did you start and how did you get to the business you're in currently well um the the uh we started in 2003 as a as a dial-up internet access service um and you know we provided some DSL services so we were, you know, somewhat tied to the, the telcos providing that that last mile, and um, that worked well for some time. What um, started happening is is that the uh, the telcos saw that the internet was becoming a you know increasingly important uh, tool and um, began to offer services themselves and started to weed out you know their their competition which um made it harder and harder to access either the telephone lines or the DSL lines so that we could provide access so we looked and said that um you know we we would better serve our customers by building our own network and 
when we looked, we saw that, uh, you know, wireless uh, technology was developing very fast and um, it was um, you know, viable and very reliable in terms of what uh, was already being uh, used uh, in terms of DSL. And we decided to go uh, in that direction and it's worked well for us since. Mm-hmm. Now, tell me again, what year was that? That you made the uh, That was... Well, 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 we we started. We built our first wireless network in 2005, uh, which was, you know, I guess you can say uh, second generation fixed wireless technologies. Okay. And then we we continued to develop, um, you know, as the wireless technologies themselves developed. And because, you know, of our size, um, you know, we were able to be nimble enough to you know, upgrade, and we have frequent upgrades to our, you know, our technology, and we're able to outfit our towers, you know, pretty quickly. It's part of what, you know, the DNA of, you know, the company and what we, we do in terms of our our upgrade uh, cycles. And, you know, we've gotten to the point to where now um, we're, we're looking at the gigabit wireless era. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when did you start offering um, gigabit speeds? Well, we started um, two years ago with with uh, 100 megabit service. So, you know, up until that part, that that time, you know, the the speeds and 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 the wireless uh, equipment that were available, you know, were were a few megabits, and you know that that would that worked well. But being a, a company uh, trying to uh, innovate and always provide um, you know great service, we we figured that you know we need to start you know, leapfrogging and start seeing what's possible and, and taking it to the to the edge. Uh we we offered a hundred megabit service and then as we were building that network out, you know, obviously we had to build for, you know, the capacity to support that and it and it was very easy for us to go from from a hundred to a gigabit and that we started um offering gigabit uh service Early last year. Hmm. Wow. Then that has been an interesting uh, a stepping stone. By the way, uh, one one of the um, one of the audience uh, members who's in the chat room asked about um, who who you're partnering with for the backhaul connectivity because as Graham Gibson mentioned on the show last week, you know, the backhaul is kinda key to this whole picture, you know, being able to deliver that gig. How how are you guys yeah. doing the backhaul part? So we're we're fortunate enough to have access to um several middle middle mile providers. Um we have your you have your, your level threes and um global exchange uh and then also what was um w- was interesting is that there's a a different uh, uh middle mile provider that we also use that um started off here in Cleveland as a spin-off project of Case Universities uh Case University uh was building out their own infrastructure mm-hmm. and um they had um Noticed that just for them and building it, that they needed to um, have more access to fiber and, and upstream traffic, and they spun off into a uh, nonprofit called One Community, who, uh, with along with not only the Sportsman Case but also um, the state, local government, 
broadband uh, stimulus projects have been able to build a high-capacity fiber network, which we also make use of. Mm-hmm. So uh, the one community project was a uh, was a big uh, was a big help then. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Now, um, uh, one community now is riding on top of a fairly large project, not only within uh, Cleveland, but in, in a large part of the state. If, if I'm remembering correctly, right? They got a big stimulus grant. Yeah. Yes, they so they did take part of the uh, stimulus grant, and you know a lot of middle mile providers benefited from that. Um, and and what's what's good is that they've actually succeeded in um, creating that network from there, and uh, uh, built out uh, pretty thoroughly in the uh, within the northeast part of the state, mm-hmm. um, and uh, continue to build uh, today. Now, how? Easy is it to make that connection into the the middle mile network? Um, you know, I, I you know I guess a month or so ago I brought up the the question about how beneficial are these middle mile networks going to be if 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 the people building them haven't thought through the connection between them and uh, the last mile providers. So what what are you finding with with one community? Well, with one community, I think their their goal and part of their objective and mission was to actually make that access um, somewhat reasonable. So, in in that case, you know, it hasn't, you know, it, it hasn't been as difficult as it's been with other middle wild providers or mm-hmm. uh, tier one and tier two um, providers out there. And you know, it, it's it's always hard because you're you're talking about um, you know the price. At the end of the day, of how much it, it'll it'll actually cost you to connect in, and then where those uh, pops points of presence are that allow you to connect into it. So you you always have to somehow be physically close enough to connect. So it's a, it's it's it becomes a distance thing also. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can, you know, locate yourself either within the facility. Which brings its own sets of challenges uh, to where these middle model providers are. Then um, you know, then you can move forward. Mm-hmm. Now, I was correct when I said that your business, your company, primarily services businesses, right? Business customers. That's correct. Okay. Um, is it possible for fixed wireless to play a role with residential? Uh, the consumers. Sure, it absolutely is. It's um, you know we chose to work with uh, business, uh, the business community because of our background. We um, are you know pretty much focused as IT, and and when we started, we you know we had an IT focus. A lot of the the, the people involved had backgrounds in 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 building networks and supporting. Um, you know the the IT community, and that's kind of the direction that that we went into. But we we also do and have had um, provided access to residential um, to residential um, areas, and and um, we've been able to do that either by today going to apartment buildings and doing multi dwell units. 
Um, and then in some some of the suburb suburban areas, you know, we'll do individual households. The difference there is that what we try to do is provide dedicated service. So we're dedicating our spectrum, our bandwidth, our ports um, to those uh, business users. And typically, um, residential users um, get some sort of best effort access where um, it's shared within, you know, either that multi-dwell unit or it's shared within, you know, a particular suburb. Um, and, you know, there's no guarantees of the speeds that they get. You know, we wanted to be able to get to, um, you know, those types of customers while pro providing some sort of uh, level of service where we're not saying you're going to get 10 megabits, but you actually get one megabit. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're more, we're working toward, you know, as we grow in 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 constant scale, we're working toward, you know, doing more residential service. But fixed wireless will and can serve, and quite quite frankly, other WIS that are out in you know the more rural areas or sub suburban areas uh, have been doing that for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, from a just a practical standpoint, um, are there a lot of logistical challenges to serving both a business community and a uh, consumer community or a residential community? Yeah, um, there's definitely there's definitely differences. Um, when you're talking about um the residential community there there are other things that um you have to do in terms of um supporting them and lots of times it could be the computers they use are you know stopping them from accessing the internet and and or or people that aren't familiar with how to use computers um there's viruses that you that 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 invade these computers and, and and make it an issue for accessing the internet or there's some sort of configuration within the router or within that internal uh network or some kind of cabling that's not quite right and so that type of support is a lot different from when you're working with um a business client who Either is a little bit more knowledgeable about what type of machines they're using. Usually, those machines are are locked down, so the users can't you know you know damage or corrupt or even break you know the the the, the computer itself. And they usually have a little bit more knowledge on maintaining the the internal network. Uh, so it's a little bit different when interfacing with the with the with the business customer. Gotcha. Okay. And uh, from my you know knowledge of of what goes on here, we're really talking a lot of uh, customer services issues come up when you start serving the residential because of their lack of experience. Clearly, they don't have an IT person the way that, that a business does who can probably intercept a number of problems and issues before uh, it rises up to your attention or your you know the, your the company's attention. Uh, right. You don't have that with the with the consumer side. Sure. Now, what's a for a community that's saying, well, maybe we need to get some WISP uh, involved. Um, if if a community were to, I don't know, encourage the startup of a WISP business, for example, in in um, oh, Franklin County, Virginia, they had some serious broadband needs. 
and some of the folks in city government met with a couple of people who had who were entrepreneurs, had a little bit of money, uh, and also had technology expertise, and they convinced them to go into the business of being a WISP. And, and now it's like one of the fastest growing businesses in, in Franklin County, and it has solved a big need. Um, in an environment, in an urban environment specifically, uh, how how would a community go about, you know, replicating that kind of success? Well, I, I think it starts, um, you know, down in, in, in city hall, and you you, you got to be able to uh, reach out to the, the community themselves, um, the, the actual people, and um, find out how many people can contribute to the effort. Um, and a lot of times it's it's how much it takes to um, actually build this build the infrastructure. Um, that's usually where the, the the stumbling block is is the, the setting you know setting it up is something that you know requires quite frankly some capital and um, building a WISP can be. Um, challenging in just doing that. So if you can get out to uh, the community and you can get um, the support of the local government, then you can find some ways to to raise that money. Um, possibly find uh, some some people within the community that has that technical knowledge and expertise, or they can go out collectively um, find. Uh, a private company or a WISP, and there there are tons of them in the in you know surrounding you know communities that could come in and help with that process uh, to build that uh, infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So it's a, a case of the government taking an action to uh, hunt for, uh, search out. Um, and facilitate the startup of WISP or go out and, and encourage WISP. So going back to the Franklin County example where uh, the county CIO, you know, met with some folks and said, hey, you know, if you, uh, if you start a business, we'll be your first customer, right? You know, is that yes, yes, absolutely. It's an option. And I've seen, you know, so many different ways that, um, you know, communities have, have gotten started, and, and and obviously that's just one of the ways. It's a, it's a pretty uh, nice and effective way to get to get started. Um, but I know of a, uh, a community uh, locally here that uh, one of the uh, residents um, had some access. They had a little bit of knowledge, and they used their own house to start a um, you know wireless access, essentially sharing his access from neighbor to neighbor, and that neighbor would now um, allow use of their, their home to um, to put equipment in, and it was very, um, you know, grassroots effort. Uh, and then it got some support as as the, the residents saw uh, how it was developed, and it got some support, and it kind of worked its way up to where the, um, the local government got involved in, and started supporting it. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, and I think that pretty much conforms with what we're seeing in other communities, especially, um, you know, in, in rural communities. I mean, you know, we, we had a guest on uh, 
from the UK a couple of months ago, where literally in this rural area, the farmers are helping to dig the trenches to lay the fiber uh, for their uh, for their network. And sure. so it is like that level of community involvement. I think you know again that people don't assume that that kind of thing can happen in an urban environment. But uh, what it sounds like, you know, what, what you're saying is that uh, it can indeed be, be the case, that you can get a, a uh, you know, urban neighborhood, urban community to line up. I mean, if you look at the Google, you know, rollout, in some respects, that's a lot of what they're doing, you know, encouraging the, the neighborhoods to put up, you know, $10 to show that they're really sincerely interested and they've got people that are going out and there's a whole community drive. It's like this. Uh, it's like a United Way campaign of some sort, you know, where you're just getting all these people engaged and, and out there. Um, you know, that definitely – now, one of the issues that has come up in Kansas City um, has been, in, which is the way that Google is doing this, uh, while it has worked to generate a lot of interest and pre-registrations, it also seems that the pre-registrations are – are splitting along the lines of uh, income, right? Where the mm-hmm. uh, the lower income communities aren't uh, signing up, to which right. has led the number of people to say, "Well, they're encouraging the digital divide." From your perspective, um, if you are offering a service as Google is, which says you only need ten bucks to pre-register. Mm-hmm. We will give you the service free if you pay for the installation. And yes, three hundred dollars is a large chunk, so we'll give it to you at, at twenty-five bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Um, is it really? Uh, I don't know. Should you really expect that that is a problem? I mean, can 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 the area be so destitute that they can't get the the ten dollars or pay the twenty-five a month? Or is it maybe more the issue that uh, they can't see a benefit even to justify the $25? So really what we're finding is not a poverty issue per se, but a perception of value issue. You know, I think I think you're, you've hit it, and it's, it's actually both. Um, I think in terms of uh, what the benefit is for them, you know, weighs, weighs heavy. And and you know it in a lot of uh, poverty issues, you're talking about what what's more important um, today. Is it um, that you know I have a home or the utilities stay on, or if um, you know I'm able to eat something or get fed or uh, be able to get gas to go to you know my job or take uh, kids to school? So you know those are the things that are on the forefront of you know, uh, of people's minds in that situation. But then that's where some of, I guess, some of the education takes place also is that, you know, the, the broadband can help in some of those things and whereas they can, you know, get um, you know, better jobs, educate themselves, um, find ways to make use of that, that access. Um, but But then... Still, you, you still come back to the issue of um, even it, even for things being as cheap as, as they are, um, it's probably not the first priority that I have. Mm-hmm. 
so it is a um it's a real issue um and it's it's one that also you, you kind of have to figure out the making the, the the business case so from your experience what kind of a business case or what kind of a value proposition is offered that actually gets lower 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 income areas to or uh, to to make the decision to go with broadband i mean what has worked in your view um in a lot of cases it's um somehow getting it in the hands uh of uh, uh you know of the people to to actually use it and it's just like anything once they get to use it they now understand and 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 just like everyone else now just use it as uses it as part of their lives you know one of the fastest growing ways that um a lot of um you know inner city um financially depressed and and younger people are getting access to the internet is through um the, you know the mobile devices the, the tablets um you know what that's the area that's growing the most so when when you when you're thinking about you know broadband or even you know just having the the, the Wi-Fi or being able to put out maybe community Wi-Fi um you know within the area these devices these people usually have them and um now they're able to connect to to this access and 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 you can um now actually contribute or 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 raise funds now that it's there and available mhm so it takes a certain amount of uh i guess um i don't know being in tune with the community at a very real level to really understand how to then make and present the case for why they need Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Because I think um, it's 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 a it's a um, sometimes it's a uh, chicken and egg problem. You know, you have to <laughs> get it out there, you know, for for people to realize the benefit or or care enough about it to 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 um, you know make it on the list of priorities. And you know, unfortunately, you know, in some cases, it, it just may never make that list. And um, you know, there's some people that actually today uh, don't see a reason or need to use the internet. Um, some of the uh, the older population, or some of the, the population that uh, you know don't have uh, the you know the equipment, whether it's a computer or phone or tablet, they don't use these devices and and they just don't have it um for the household mm-hmm. to make use of um and that's where some of these public um locations um where where there's computers available or or access available that they can go to to make use of it mhm now let's uh, switch gears for a minute here um yeah, I'm in right now in the middle of uh, conducting a national survey of economic development professionals to get their take on how broadband impacts local economies. If I start with uh, first the, the business side of the equation and then the individual uh, economic development, starting with the, with the business side, how do you get or how do you encourage or facilitate 
uh, broadband having a uh, positive impact on businesses, particularly businesses in lower income areas? Well, I, I think um, making uh, the access um, is, is, is one of the first steps. But, um, you know, having, having good and reliable access in the area definitely um, affects the, you know, the, the, the development of the, of the, of the area. Um, I, one of the, the things that I've noticed is the things that just ha- happened, at least in, in our area, is that what we see a lot is um, businesses that look to locate in particular areas. So they'll, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll search around in, in, in different communities and and look for space for them to 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 come into, and if there aren't any viable communication infrastructure, they can't get the access that they need. Then they end up not locating in these areas. In some of the lower income areas, there's plenty of space available for them to come in, but if there isn't access there, then they won't come in and start setting up shop in, in those locations. And you want that to happen because once they're in, then, you know, things happen. You know, they start hiring in from the local community. They start spending in the local community, which, um, you know, gets to uh, – gives opportunities to some of the um, uh, parts of the community that didn't have uh, a job or or, or um, where the local – businesses weren't able to sell to um, these businesses that are now coming in. Mm-hmm. Could you see structuring a program in which, you know, you take a, uh, a um, oh, good Lordy, you, you take an economically depressed area, you, um, you know, you probably have vacant buildings, uh, you know, you probably have low you know, rent, uh, low rental properties, that kind of thing, where you basically make a concerted effort to draw businesses to that area, and then uh, by by putting in the broadband, and then using that to you know to, to monitor and again to facilitate and help those businesses reach out to the community and so forth to find employees to uh, you know offer services to get them doing business in the community, that kind of thing. Can you structure that kind of thing? Can you guide it through, or is that hoping for too much? No, I, I think I've seen a lot of cities do exactly just that, and, and it and you know there's always something in exchange for something else. Um, so by by lowering you know the rent or providing tax incentives to to those um, you know perspectives. Uh, businesses coming in, um, you know, the first piece is actually to have that broadband, and maybe some of that money gets fed into to making sure that that broadband stays in in place. But um, you know, I think they should definitely um, make that a provision for 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 getting the either the tax breaks or forever for you know having the low. Um, you know, rent or, or or property value to come in and and service the community, and you know it should it should definitely be a part of 
uh, or condition is to, for them to come in. Um, and, you know, setting up an, an organization to promote that it is always a good thing. You, you, you need to have, you, to be, you need that to be made aware of, you know, for the, for the people coming in and looking for uh, space. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of like you know you you're putting in programs to guide the process along to the conclusion you want. Correct. Absolutely. Okay. Now what about uh using now, now let me come uh, step back for a second. So one step is you bring businesses in. Um another step is that you can get uh businesses that already exist to, to use the technology once you put it in, once you put the broadband in. But have you found something similar to what I've read about was the case in Seattle where they went to a particular neighborhood, they said, okay, we're going to get you faster broadband in this in this area. And they went door-to-door and convincing businesses to sign up for Internet access. But then what they found out was, you know, over I don't know half or some some significant percentage of the businesses were run by people in their 50s and 60s. All they had mm-hmm. ever done was run that business right for 20, 30 years, but they really had never used technology. So now all of a sudden you put them online, and they're like, "Well, we're happy to be here, but what the heck do we do?" And and yeah. so what they discovered was there is a technology knowledge gap. It wasn't even just about do they have the technology, but if you give them the technology, there's a whole gap in, well, what do I do with this? Uh-huh. Is, that, is, is Seattle an exception, or is that, you know, is that probably the norm? I think it happens a lot. And I think, um, you know, what we've seen is that, you know, bringing just the fact of having broadband and bringing in broadband um, is is a first requirement and a necessary step. But then, what to do with it, and and how does that help, you know, y- your business or community? How do you actually use this to to have more efficiency, uh, to save in, in cost? That's a critical component in in um, you know in promoting the broadband in the first place. Um, people need to know that they can save money using voice over IP um, and, and have more efficient uh, use of their broadband connection, or they can uh, go to the cloud and use applications in the cloud um, or, or, or in, and have whatever automated um, software applications that help for their, you know, help them in their business. That that That's something that should be, Presented, promoted, and made aware of the local businesses as much as uh, bringing in that broadband and and signing up for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I got I got an interesting comment here uh, from another uh, audience member in the uh, in the chat room where you know he says you know startup accelerators and uh, social media types of um, programs can help mentor. Uh, business owners, uh, local chambers of commerce can maybe put together uh, programs to help, uh, you know, businesses adapt the technology, you know, as a service. 
which uh, you know I, I give credit for. These these are definitely good ideas. I mean, we're seeing startup accelerators happening in Chattanooga and in Kansas City. You know, kind sure. of current with their fiber projects. Um, you know, I have read about different uh, approaches to uh, create some sort of program. Some, like, like for example, one county they had a uh, web strategy contest, for lack of a better phrase, where basically um, they offered a number of prizes and services and so forth for the businesses that came up with the best uh, strategy for using the web. And so they, in essence, had to learn how to use the web to be able to participate. But there were mentoring, you know, mentors set up, and there were online resources to help them, you know, learn quickly about, you know, what what can do, what 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 the web can do for a business. And then there was the hands-on, you know, doing the exercise. And then you get the feedback at the end. You know, obviously there are people who win, and there are some maybe who don't. But the net result of that was everybody who participated felt like they learned something. So it really wasn't about what they won. Uh, well, I'm sure the winners were very happy, but you know, yeah. but mainly everybody else was saying, okay, yeah, you know, well, we didn't win anything. However, we learned so much, and now we're doing, you know, great things on the web with our business. And um, yeah, you know, those those are those are all great, great things, and and I, and I think there isn't, you know, one single thing that helps every single community, but mm-hmm. I, 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 it's definitely a combination of those things, um, the, the chambers of commerce. The local colleges or the community colleges and schools, they can they can play a role in, in, in educating, you know, um, the business community because the, 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 more, the stronger that, that community is, you know, the more it, it actually, you know, helps the, the, the local uh, community there. Mm-hmm. So you have to definitely, um, you know, use a late approach because some some these these businesses they don't always pay attention. You know, they're they're definitely worried about you know um, you know the business that they have and and just running it. And there's a lot of challenges there, and um, they they need to find out and discover those things that help them run their the business more uh, profitably and more efficiently. Mm-hmm. Now let's shift uh, to the to the to the flip side of the um, economic development side. I mean, one obviously is the businesses and how do you get businesses engaged, and that 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 facilitates economic development. But what about personal economic development? You know, what about you know how do you get people to use the technology to develop? Uh, job skills or to start home-based businesses? Well, I, I think, um, for, first of all, the the uh, when you have broadband readily available in, in a community, that's one of the, the things that is now enabled is to be able to start a home-based business. And um, so that's, that's, that's very exciting. And what you got to do is you got to somehow get that in front of the the individuals and um you know that may be you know programs within the you know the school system you know you can put flyers within the local schools you can get that at the community colleges you know the libraries um you know you can point the programs that that help individuals 
uh, seek out these new uh, sources of income. Uh, and there's a lot of businesses that can just be run just like, for instance, you know, programming, you know, it's it's sort of a thing the way you can develop an application, you know, just with the computer. So the, the barrier to entry today and starting a business um, can be really low. You can have a a website, um, you know, up in, in a few minutes with a lot of these cloud services and a lot of these services that are available out on the Internet. So it's just about knowing that these these things are possible now and, and that they're not expensive to do and um getting that in front of the individual, um that's that's the challenge and, and for them to see and pay attention. Mhm. And and so what do you think works in uh in, in some of the in some of the neighborhoods, some of the inner city neighborhoods? Well, you know, there's fortunately there's a lot of um programs from nonprofits um that have been doing that work and um we know this because we we support um a lot of nonprofits and when when a lot of our <clears throat> business customers come off contract or when things are um you know when they've moved moved on we we're, we're taking that uh, equipment and we're taking that and uh putting in free installations or waiving the installation for some nonprofits that do that type of work um uh there's there's a um, a nonprofit here called e city who um promotes uh entrepreneurship um and they they get kids involved in starting their own businesses um and they do that you know through their own website social media setting up uh you know conferences and, and there are many other uh nonprofit organizations um in this area that do that um and then we we're also fortunate enough to have a community college that 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 hosts these um um, you know, learning uh, seminars and, and and a lot of this is also online in, in terms of online seminars too. So it, that's some of the things that's you know that's worked here um, uh, in in this area that we've seen. Mm-hmm. And um, the the job training side of things, I know. I've 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 talked to people in in rural communities in in particular where you know the tobacco industry has faltered and gone away. Manufacturing has gone away and there's a need for uh developing new skills for new industries. Um who needs to in in an urban setting who needs to take the responsibility for that? Is it the uh community colleges? Is it the the, the K through 12 school district? I mean in other words, I mean, you can have a K through 12 school district setting up programs for adults. In other words, so the, who should be the driver for that kind of a, you know, job retraining, if you will? You, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's just one particular organization. I think, the, you know, the community at large and, and all the uh, should should be involved in that. It, it, and it happens every so often. So the, the Definitely the the um, community colleges, uh, the city, uh, counties, um, they should all be looking at this. Um, here in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, we were a, a very manufacturing-based um, uh, town area. It was a, it was a big part of the economy, and 
that kind of went away. Uh, well, it didn't kind of went away. It actually did go away. Um, and you got to reinvent and you got to get retrained for that. And, um, you know, for, you know, at this point here, they've uh, kind of shifted to high tech, um, biomedical and, um, you know, health, health care. And the community college is the ones that are going to be training these individuals to, um, to take on these new fields. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so a lot of it does weigh on the on the on the on the colleges and the community colleges in the area, um, but I think every every other um, the local government itself should play a role in making you know people realize that this is what you have to look at, and and even in the K through 12, um, you're talking about you want to start. Um, you know, educating you know the future workforce of where 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 things will be for them. Mm-hmm. So you, you want to somehow include that into the program and say, well, here's what you're going to be uh, looking forward to, and here's what you should be uh, focusing on. You know, as you move through your your education. Mm-hmm. Does your uh, does does Cleveland have a a community access TV? Station channel of some sort. Yes, um, you know, and it's it's broadcasted over over cable, mm-hmm. um, uh, the cable franchises uh, here. Um, but you know, I think the the local um, PBS stations um, with free over the air access, uh, which is you know, very important, is, and it hasn't been um, thought of in quite some time since the cable systems have kind of taken over, taken over the um, the the um, the pay TV or the viewing um, mind share. So, you know, people tend to forget that you can get this type of information over there with the good old rabbit ears. Um, <laughs> I remember you know, that. You know, and 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 now it's you know it's it's a little bit different now and and you know now you're getting full high def and and you can you can get access to this programming in the local community news, um, you know right right from that and uh, you know so that's always you know good to to let everybody know that that's something that you can still do. Mm-hmm. How could how would you see the um, the interaction of the internet? And TV. So, in other words, if you put a, a gigabit network in an inner city uh, community, um, how can you or should you uh, integrate TV with that? Does does the network then become a TV network on top of everything else? Do you partner with the you know the public uh, TV channels? You know is do you kind of can can you envision a, a TV internet strategy here some way? Well, you know, I, it, it it's it's changing and evolving rapidly right now, and I don't think anyone has figured out um, how this will look or how it's going to you know uh, turn out to be. But I think we're already moving away from channel based um, entertainment where you know people are going to YouTube. 
and um, people are going online to find the content that they need. Um, so, so it's hard to find where, where people want to be in order to provide a, a, a consistent, you know, service. So I think today consumers will will kind of find what they want and how it works. So if you put in um, that gigabit access, I mean that's kind of what they need to to to, to actually experience. And, and choose from the, the, the types of services and the content that's available out on the internet. Um, but you know, there's there's so many options now, which of course includes the free over the air um, content um, that's there. Um, but when you start talking about paid TV access, um, you know, they're, they're, those are the companies that have their own personal interests involved. So these other methods of finding content online or free of the air become a conflict for them. Mm-hmm. But one that I'm sure people can figure out a way to, to, to work around. Um, I, I, again, a suggestion that's popped out of the chat room here, too, for the benefit of the listeners here, uh, is to turn to foundations that might have national programs that then they can tie into to help facilitate you know, either individuals, uh using the network for personal economic development or communities. Um, we have about two minutes. So in the time remaining, what would be the one piece of advice you would give to communities to be effective at um, at getting a business like yours incubated and moving in the community to provide gigabit service elsewhere? I think uh, what 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 they should do is definitely speak to uh, the parties involved, whether it's the uh, the local uh, government or the the county government, and um, provide their suggestions and um, have them look at all the different possibilities and alternatives to getting that access to them in in ways that are uh, cost effective and don't put a burden on the um, on the finances that that you know that they have. Mhm. Okay. And uh any words uh wisdom for the budding wisp that might be looking at an, an urban market to make their to make their mark. What would you what would you advise to your peers in training? I say that. jump in, you know, part of um the general, uh, you know, idea is that uh, WISC can only survive in markets where there's no competition or there's no access. But um, with the equipment and the uh, the technology available today, you can compete head to head with um, some of the the larger players. And it's all about service and knowing your customer. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, I am, again, very happy to have you on board today, uh, showing us some of the ins and outs here of what's going on with WISP and and Urban America, and uh, I look forward to both following your progress and at some point having you back on the show again. So thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Sure. Thank you. And, um, you know, I just want to make sure that we all remember uh, 9-11 and the um, the people that lost their lives in in that tragedy. A point well taken, a point well taken, and, and hopefully we never have to experience anything like that uh, again in this lifetime. Uh, yes. 
Thank you very much to our audience for being with us for another show. Uh, Friday, uh, we're going to actually talk about telehealth. There are a number of telehealth networks that are being started in various parts of the U.S. Uh, this is going to be a very interesting show and probably our first dive into the telemedicine uh, realm. So please join us for that. Uh, everybody have a great day. Thank you to our sponsor, Team Fizzle, and uh, we'll talk again.